As you may have heard in the news at the top of the hour, the king has cancer. What type of cancer it is hasn't been revealed, but Buckingham Palace has confirmed that King Charles will postpone public duties indefinitely while he undergoes regular treatment beginning this week. For now, the king will continue in his constitutional role as head of state, attending only private meetings. But his illness has raised an interesting question. If the king or any monarch were to become incapacitated, who would fulfil their duties here in Australia? Professor Emerita Antumi is a constitutional law expert at the University of Sydney Law School. Uh, you're exactly the right person to ask this question to. Some people don't realise the king has any duties in Australia. So what are they exactly? Uh, pretty limited. So mainly it concerns um, appointing the Governor-General and the State Governors and also the capacity to remove them. So, you know, if there was some kind of constitutional drama and the Prime Minister wanted to get rid of the Governor-General, they have to go to the to the King to do that. So uh, they're the key ones. Otherwise, there are sort of minor roles in relation to honours and, you know, symbolic and ceremonial things, but they can be managed by others. So if the king were to get more uh, unwell and unable to fill these f- f- uh, functions, what are the options? Who, who would act in his place? Uh, well, it depends on what they do. So there's sort of three possibilities of what you could do. Um, so the first is if you're ill but it's not sort of completely debilitating, you can appoint councillors of state and so that's like delegating your powers to them. So there's provision for that. Um, and the councillors of state are the spouse of the monarch, so Camilla, and the next four people in line to the throne who are adults, um, and that includes Prince Andrew um, and Princess Beatrice uh, and Prince Harry, uh, as well as Prince William. And um, But for because they don't tend to use non-working royals to fulfil that role these days, so that takes out Harry and Andrew and Beatrice, uh, they have recently added on to new councils of state. This was done by King Charles, and that is Princess Anne and Prince Edward. Anyway, two of them collectively can be appointed to exercise the powers of the king, but only in relation to the UK, not Australia. Um, second possibility is if it's um, the king is um, really incapacitated and cannot perform his duties, then you can move to a regency. Um, and the legislation in the UK says that the regent in that case is the next adult in line to the throne, Prince William. There's no other choice there. It has to be him. Uh, And again, he can exercise the king's powers in relation to the United Kingdom, but not Australia. Uh, And of course, the final possibility is, is abdication. If the king decided it was all too much and that he wanted to abdicate, Uh, then there is some trickiness around how that would happen these days in relation to the various realms like Australia. Um, So the last experience we have of that is Edward VIII back in 1936, which is a long time ago. Uh, The method we used to do that then, which was Australia assenting to the United Kingdom, legislating and applying to us, can't happen anymore since the Australia Acts in 1986. Uh, there would be a way of managing it in Australia, a bit complicated, all the states legislating and then asking the Commonwealth to legislate. But because of all that messiness, I suspect they wouldn't do that. So the gist is that they'd either use councillors of state or a regent and none of them would be able to do anything in relation to Australia. So Australia's got a bit of a gap there. 
Wow, that's it's so interesting, particularly in the abdication uh, sense, because it is entirely uh, conceivable that the king w- and his health may decline, and if there is an abdication of his own will, all of the Australian states getting <laughs> agreeing to uh, legislation in this federated model certainly doesn't sound like a whole uh, a heap of fun. Anne Toomey is a professor emerita at the University of Sydney Law School. We're talking about the, well, evidently complex question of who would fulfil King Charles's duties in Australia if he were unable to. It's uh, 20 minutes past five. What about other Commonwealth countries? Do, say, New Zealand or Canada have the same problem yep. as we do? Uh, Well, they would, but they've sort of dealt with it. Um, uh, The Canadians, not terribly well, because what they did was they conferred all the king's powers onto the Governor-General. But, of course, the flaw in that is the power to appoint the Governor-General and remove the Governor-General. So, given that the Governor-General is fairly unlikely to sack uh, sack themselves if asked, that's not the best. Uh, New Zealand has put a provision into their Constitution Act which says that um, whoever is the regent in the United Kingdom um, gets to exercise the, the king's powers in relation to New Zealand. So they, they have dealt with it. Um, the real issue in Australia is that, look, it's not urgent in any way because uh, even if there's no one available to appoint a Governor-General or a Governor, there's other people who can exercise the role. So if the Governor-General, if there's a vacancy, so for example, the current Governor-General is expected to end his term, you know, around the middle of the year, if at that point the King was completely incapacitated and there was a Regent and the Regent wasn't able to appoint a new Governor-General, uh, we could get by because we use um, one of the state um, governors fills in as administrator at the Commonwealth level, and that's what always happens when the Governor-General's away or there's a vacancy. So there's a method of doing it and someone having someone there to fill the, the role. Um, and equally, if you've got your state governor going in and filling in for the Governor-General, then at the state level... It's the lieutenant governor who comes in and fills in for a state governor. But the lieutenant governor is often the chief justice. And while they can fill in for short periods, you know, if if the king's problems um, were to continue for a long period, this kind of sort of patch-up system would become unsustainable. So there's good reasons for actually, you know, biting the bullet and fixing it up at some point. It's not absolutely urgent. We can get by without fixing it up. But you wouldn't want to keep trying to do this in the long term. So, you know, from a from a short-term point of view, yes, fine, we can manage. But in the long term, it would be better to just fix it. So do you think this... Uh well, the potential for the king's health to worsen might shake out uh, some smaller legislative or constitutional changes to this uh, patchwork system, as, as you call it? Um, well, it, it, the main thing to do, if we were going to do it, would be to legislate um, collectively with all the states and the Commonwealth together to, in the same way that was done um, back in, I think it was 2015, when they did it to get rid of the, um, uh, you know, the sexism in the um, rules of succession to the throne. So legislate in the same way so that we would um, give to the regent um, uh, the capacity to exercise those powers of the monarch in Australia. That would solve the problem. Some people argue that you can't do it by legislation. You might need a referendum. Frankly, I think that's probably going a bit far. I think you probably can do it by legislation. 
But again, it has to take in that process of the states as well as the Commonwealth because remembering that the king is actually part of the state constitution of, um, you know, part of the parliament of the various states. Uh, so it's not something that the Commonwealth can just sort of unilaterally impose. So it does need to be a collective effort. Um, having said that, it's, you know, tedious administratively to coordinate everyone, but I doubt very much too many people or, or states would be, you know, causing a ruckus and objecting. You mentioned the R word, uh, referendum. We might have to leave that one for another day. <laughs> Anne Toomey is yes. a professor emerita at the University of Sydney Law School. Thank you for your time. You're welcome.